0: This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless, available online at BravadoWireless.com.
1: Uh, let's set up the hotline and welcome in the sideline reporter for the University of Oklahoma. He is Chris Plank, and he is joining us now here on the Blitz. What's up, dude?
0: Coming to you live from the 16th green at the trails. What's <laughs> up, Pop? <How laughs> Wait a minute. Am I
1: interrupting your golf game? No, no, no. Uh, here's
0: what I did. is My daughter, uh, Emma, my oldest, is now a freshman, dude.
1: Oh, my
0: God. She's a golfer, and so when she comes to uh, have her lesson, I grab a cart and try to go play a few holes. And nice. got a good little hiding spot where I can find a few old lost balls and chill and talk to you. So, yeah, it's perfect. It's a great day. Beautiful weather. Hopefully we get this on Saturday so we can avoid dying of heat stroke like we have the last two games uh in Norman. I
1: think we're going to be good Saturday. I think I think that we're going to be good for sure like uh low 80s I think is what the projected oh, temps God, are. I might so <laughs> Oh, might have to wear might have to wear a parka at kickoff last week for us in washington dude it was 74 degrees and it was freaking spectacular so don't don't miss the heat at all uh what's been the overall takeaway from game one to game two clearly a different storyline um coming out of norman after game two and i'm not even talking about what happened after the game but what mm-hmm. were, what were some of your general thoughts with what you saw now two times with the Oklahoma Sooners?
0: Now, I'm glad you said after the game because I was not fighting Art Briles' <laughs> sideline spin during the game. <laughs> he was not down there during the game. <laughs> no, um, a pop, a lot of things, man. Pop to the uh, part of the pun, but kind of jumps at the top of my head. I, I, I'm still infatuated with what's going on at the running back position. You know, I don't have a problem with a walk on being their number one running back. Man, a lot of people do. It's like, oh, my gosh, how can a walk-on be the guy whenever you had Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes run for 100 yards against Florida State? Well, Tybee Walker was healthy, and he looked really good last week against SMU. And the week before, Javante Barnes was the guy who carried a majority of the load. So I'm intrigued by how the running back uh, rotation is looking. You know, I know that the numbers for – Dylan Gabriel weren't great last week, but he's making really good decisions. Six touchdowns, no picks. I don't know if, if OU's quite figured out what that Jackson Arnold package is gonna be. Um, but you know, we're gonna see it a lot, and we're gonna see Jackson Arnold a lot this year, and then I feel like it's shades of you know, oh oh two, oh three, oh four. Well, let's not get too carried away here, but the defense is really, really playing well. And Danny Stutzman has had a great start. Um you know they they haven't got the sack numbers that they want but nobody is freaking out about the the pressure that is getting on the the quarterback right now so it's been um it's been similar to last year right in the talk and the buzz so i think everyone's a little bit hesitant to get too carried away because you know 3 and 0 we felt really good and then you know you ended up with your first losing season since 1998 but it's just uh, it's got a little different feel a little different buzz to it probably a maybe even a little better organization to things here in 23, and it's really exciting to see.
2: In terms of the offense, I mean, they ran the ball, what, 20 more times than they threw it, 27 attempts uh, through the air, 47 rushes. Do you anticipate that that ratio is going to remain somewhat run-heavy, or do they get closer to 50-50?
0: Yeah, I think they want to be 50-50, Kobe,
2: but um, I I, I also –
0: Again, I have a lot of study in pop and guys to do on, on Tulsa, but I feel like that their sense is they should be able to run the football against TU this Saturday. So I think you'll see a little bit heavier focus on the run, but I think inevitably, uh think Kobe does a question. I think they want to be 50, 50, right? I think they want to be a little bit more, um, maybe even more run game oriented towards what the numbers are right now. But with that said, you know, they, I'm still flummoxed, shocked, disappointed by the game plan last week, and that's not a shot at Jeff Levy or anyone, but you know, the the benchmark of this offensive attack is deep shots. You know, take deep shots uh, down the field. You know, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to, dare I say, throw an interception on a deep ball. You know, kind of the Josh Allen arm punt the other night against uh, the New York Jets. So, I'm not one of those people that feels like there is a certain number they want to hit, but I do feel like they want to take more deep shots. They want to be involved in getting a little bit more active in Andrew Anthony deep, or, you know, we didn't see Jane Gibson or Nick Anderson at all last week, but when those guys are in the game, getting them deep. So, um, you know, I I don't know if they go into it with a number. I think they want to be more 50 50, but I definitely know they want to take more opportunities down the field than they, than they did last week, because, Uh, It was fantastic the way that it worked out in week one against Arkansas State, as was everything. But, you know, you're telling me the slightest SMU adjustment took away any deep ball from them on Saturday? So I think they're going to try to, uh, as the season progresses, make that a a little bit more of an active part of the game plan.
1: So one of the, the big question marks, I think, to everyone this year was just the receiver room in general for Oklahoma. And when I you go back to last year and one of the problems that the offense had last year was when anyone would would man them up on the outside and it denied them um, the ability to get open because they they struggled mm-hmm. like Gabriel and the receivers they had to get open. He had to make throws and they struggled with that and it gave them some easy uh, boxes in the run game to be able to take advantage of. How has the receiver group as a whole, and I know that's an unfair question considering that we're sitting here asking the questions about where's this guy, what happened with Jaleel <laughs> Farouk, you know, Petaway, all, all these other guys, but how has it gone so far through two games with the receiver group?
0: Yeah, a, a little bit mixed, right? The, um, the excitement of how deep and how good it looked in week one, right? Let's just, Pop, let's go specifically with Jane Gibson. I feel like now for, let's see, what were there? So, uh, Thirteen games last year, and then you you dive into things um, this year, and there's been two. So through fifteen games, I feel like I've been just nonstop talking about Jane Gibson, Jane Gibson. And two weeks ago in the opener against Arkansas State, he looked incredible. You know, he goes up and mosses a guy and uh, makes another really nice catch, and you kind of think, all right, here's the coming out party for Jane Gibson, but then he maybe it takes a couple snaps last week. So I don't, I don't know, you know, what's the great unknown right now, because you feel like, and stop me if you've heard this before, the, the talent seems to be as deep as it's ever been in that group. The production at the collegiate level has not been there, right? Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops are the only guys in Andrew Anthony's numbers from Michigan aren't jaw dropping. But I will say they, um, they just got—I don't know—they got stymied by what SMU did defensively, but they just didn't go as deep on the on depth chart at the receiver position in week two as they did in week one. So I'll be interested to see if that mixes up a little bit more. You know, Farouk finally had a big play, uh, and it was really a lot of uh, yak—you know, yards after catch when he makes a guy miss in the open field. You know, their their longest pass was again a guy that was just left wide open, and uh, no one covered him in the slot. So. I, I, it's a good question on the receivers because I do think it's it's an incomplete and an unknown through two games. But I also think it's very exciting with what you've seen from some of the guys. And to be honest with you, uh, I'm still trying to figure out the ja- Jaquez-Pedway situation because here's a guy that was maybe the best player on the field in week one offensively, and then he doesn't get a target in week two. So I, I don't I don't know what to make of it except that they're – maybe showing some patience and bringing those guys along. And, you know, we'll see on Saturday. They're definitely going to need, I think, all of these guys as the year progresses. And you know me, Pop, I'm always going to be the eternal optimist. Uh, Saturday's no gimme. That's a a Tulsa team that's going to give them their all, and they're going to need some guys to step up and make big plays beyond
2: Jaleel Farouk
0: and Drake Stoops come uh, Saturday.
2: Does the offensive line factor into maybe the deep shot thing? Because I, yeah. I noticed several times on the, on the longer third down plays when they would drop back, the SMU was getting a lot of pressure.
0: They were not happy with their O-line play, Kobe. That's the reality of it. Uh, because um, – did I just call you Kobe? Corby, the, the, the problem is that I think that their guard situation, the inside of, the, the inside of their offensive line, guard, guard, center – has been concerned. Not center. Andrew Rames had the best two games of his OU football career. And if Andrew's family's listening, which I'm sure they are up in Broken Arrow right now, y'all should be on cloud nine. This dude is playing incredible. He was projected as a guy that could be a draft prospect. And I work every day. And, Pop, I know you were on with Gabe and Teddy on the Oklahoma Breakdown. There's no one more critical of the center play than Gabe Eichert. And when he's even gushing over a guy, you know that's a good sign. The problem is, they haven't got consistent play from Savion Bird, which magnifies the reason why he hasn't played. I think he took six snaps and didn't, co- didn't come back in the game till like the 50th snap of the game on Saturday. Um, and, again, we'll see with mckay Matar. So far, so good. But their tackles, they feel really good about their tackles, right, in um, what you've got in either, uh, Tyler Guyton and what you've got in, in Walter Rouse. They've really had good seasons so far. But I think you guys know it better than anyone. If you can't protect that interior, if you can't do a good job of, you know, keeping that rush up the middle, you're going to be in big trouble. So um, they've got to get better at guard, period. They're really good at center and they're really good at tackles. But, you know, it takes one, don't want to say weak link, but it takes one mistake to implode an entire, you know, approach with the offensive game plan. So, uh, we'll see if 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 Bird gets to start on Saturday, or if it is the uh, the app state transfer and Troy Everett. But they, um,
1: as a group,
0: I can tell you, they were they were not happy. They were not happy with the way that they played on Saturday.
1: Chris Plank is with us here on the Blitz Eleven Seventy, streaming live on the Blitz Eleven Seventy app. So on the opposite side of the ball. Uh, that's one of those games that you go back and you watch the replay um, and you're like, ah, all right, what's the pressure rate that Oklahoma was getting on on Preston Stone? Who, by the way, I, th- I think is going to be a problem for people in the American this year. Um, I think they got five pressures. They, they really like Kanik and Stutzman, like sending those guys at the same time. Um, the defense for the most part has just been, Hey, they, they look like they're more firm in their belief and their assignments, but, uh, they've been getting a little bit of pressure as well. And that's something I'll be keeping an eye on, on Saturday.
0: Well, pop, you know, you, you and Colby know better than anyone. You've got to, you got to get consistency, right. From those positions and dude, I'm, I'm trying help me out here. How much of someone asked on Saturday? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. On a Tuesday, how do you separate fact from fiction? And that's where my struggle is right now, okay? <laughs> what's fact and what's fiction? Jeez, right dude, now, in right?
1: 2023, who the hell knows?
0: Exactly. I have no idea. So is it fact that they're better at getting after the quarterback, even though the numbers aren't there? Is it fact that they're doing a better job understanding their assignments? Or is it fiction because they play two teams that aren't necessarily at the level that they're going to see consistently this year? Um, I'm a homer. So, I tend to think that it's fact that they're playing better and that things are looking like they're supposed to look. But, I mean, bottom line, more than anything else, I mean, it's just, gosh, dude, I hate to, like, tap out on it. We'll see. I think they're better. I think that, you know, they've got six guys, uh, six to eight guys they're rotating in at tackle. You know I, know, I know Tulsa is, what What'd you tell me, Pop? Like, eight guys they like to rotate at edge. Oklahoma's got, like, eight guys. They want to rotate now. Um, secondary wise, the numbers are good. Competitive depth has been a big story. We'll see if Justin Harrington plays on Saturday. We'll see if McCullough plays on Saturday. But I mean, I'm having a hard time delineating what's fact and what's fiction right now. With hey, is this better? Is this not? Because I felt like I was, you know, the chief engineer on the We're Back train last year for the Oklahoma defense, only to see them go seven and eight. So to me, and my you know my eyes, it looks like they're better. But again, you know. It, a long way to go in this season. It looks like they're doing a better job, but we'll find out.
2: Well, where are the areas, I guess if we're going to figure out fact and fiction, where are the areas that we, we feel like they can still improve on?
0: Um, finishing plays defensively, Colby, if that makes sense, right? I mean, you had, you, had the, um, you had the play that sticks out to me by Ethan Downs where he grabbed the face mask. It was a sack should have been a sack, but he grabs the face, Mac, and he keeps the drive alive, right? Uh, you had several dead to rights shots by defensive tackles and inside backers where they just they couldn't finish. So this team is better tackling, which is a good sign. What the missed tackles are uh, much more minimized in 23 than they were in 22. But, Colby, I think that, you know, where they need to improve is just when they have those opportunities, getting the guy to the ground. I mean, and finishing would also go – for interceptions you know Billy Bowman has a play I want to say it was in the first half where he had a pick he had a, he had a pick he had an interception he could pick the ball off but he's waiting and instead of going to the ball and finishing and making the play he's waiting on the ball to come to him so it's, it's those little things you know those little things that coach Venables talks about you take that next step that makes all the difference in the world and I think Oklahoma uh, is still working through that they're still you know learning that and I think it's you know, you've got guys that have been in the system for a couple of years. Key Lawrence, Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman, Jordan Kelly. They know, they get it. Uh, Isaiah Coe, but, uh, Woody Washington. But it's just, you know, consistently finishing. And then the second thing is, you know, finding out what is that number of players. We've seen a lot of dudes play. But how do we fine-tune that, man? Is 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 that going to be a weakness whenever you try to bring in a – uh, Kobe, McKenzie in the game, Kobe McKenzie in the game late? Or is that, all right, dude, this guy's a finisher, so bring him in. Do you want to be playing Kip Lewis more or Jared Kanik more? I think, you know, that's going to – I don't know if that's a weakness or not, but that's just something that I think they're still trying to figure out through the early parts of this season. What does that number look like of the amount of players they want to play and who they have deep trust in in those positions? And who are guys that are just, you know, it's going to take them a year to get where they need to be.
1: Final one for me, has the hysteria calmed down after what happened on Saturday evening uh, from just the temperature of fans or from reaction on your show at all? Has everyone like chilled out yet and realized that, one, not only does our brows look like a love child of, of Brian Bosworth and Billy Bob Thornton, but because uh, I don't know what the, what the hell is going on there, but ha- have people chilled out and have they moved past this yet?
0: Yeah, I think they have, but I, I also think there's a, a lot of things that were like ready, shoot, aim. You know, number one, he wasn't on the sideline. He didn't have a headset on. He wasn't calling plays. That's not defending him being there, but that's the reality of it. And, you know, the aggregators get a hold of this and – you know, there was a, a TV station in Oklahoma City who somehow keeps showing up on my Facebook feed, and it's an investigation into how Art Browse was on the side. <laughs> There's no investigation. There's no, I mean, it's just it's simple what happened, you know. He went down there and and shouldn't have been. Now, the other part of that, was there an agreement? You know, was there an agreement with Joe Castiglione and Jeff Levy and Brent Venables? And had that been, you know, uh, relayed to Jeff Levy that, hey, you know, not, not at all, nothing, don't care, maybe. He's not allowed in OU gear. Period. But then, dude, I, I don't ever want to come up, uh, across as seeming sympathetic towards anything that happened at Baylor. So when I say this, just understand it. Our Briles has become like a dad to Jeff Levy. You know, Jeff's dad passed away. Yeah. And the only the only true grandpa that his kids have is our Briles. You know, I, again, I know that it's hard for some people to factor in that, and there's going to be those, not just the media, but in social media, that will constantly be, oh, he's terrible. And listen, it, it appears as if Oklahoma doesn't want him around, and that's fine. But I would think some grace would be had in understanding that, you know, Jeff Levy, that's his father in law, right? I mean, I can't stand my father in law, but it's for completely different purposes, right? I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's a completely different world. Pop, you probably like yours. I'm Colby, you probably like yours. I don't like mine. Uh, much love, Brian, man. But it's just I'm not going to ever be in those situations where someone says keep family away. But in some instances, you know, I don't know how you handle that. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you say. Mark Riles is I, Jeff Levy loves him. It's, just, it's his dad right now. So uh, lesson learned. Levy apologized. Didn't want to go any more in depth. And I, I think that everyone understands how brutal what happened at Baylor was. And I think we learned a hard lesson about how those are never going to be um, forgiven, uh, regardless of how long it is. So, lesson learned. Everyone kind of calm down a little bit.
1: Did we lose him on the 16th? We might have. I believe that we probably did.
2: And he gone.
1: And gone. Ah. Jimmy Austin, they're on the 16th. They told somebody to
2: calm down, and they were not having it.
1: It sounds like uh, whoever's in charge there, the cell phone company, is a big R-Pros fan, is what it it sounded like (laughs) to me. So, you know, just got to watch out for that.
2: Well, I I was going to say, after that, like, you asked the question, is everyone calming down? I think he's back. Like, to me, maybe I'm I'm, uh, not giving people enough credit, but I feel like, depending on what Jeff Levy does offensively on Saturday, will go a long way in determining whether people are ready to move on from that situation.
0: Okay. If they go out, and they put up 500 yards and they score 50 points, I think a lot is forgotten. Listen, Nobody's going to be worried frust- about it, right? Right, right. There's still frustration over our Bryles, and there always will be. But you, you have a game like they did against, say, Kansas last year, and I think, um, I think it's forgotten. I think you're 100% right.
1: Dude, looking forward to seeing you back at the old stomping grounds over at uh, T U coming up this weekend. And uh we'll definitely uh be looking forward to uh seeing you down on the uh field level at about one PM on Saturday, man.
0: Yeah, man. Sorry about the sell. Apparently whole fifteen here at the trails is not nice to my uh to my service. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Colby, look forward to seeing you there and Can't wait to get back to the 918, Pop. Talk to you soon, buddy.
1: Let's go. That's Chris Plank here joining us on the Blitz 1170 and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app.
0: Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.